at it again, baby. It's the Can't Stop, Won't Stop edition of the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show, an all-year-round podcast dedicated to the NFL Draft, and it is day one of the process for the 2019 NFL Draft. Rick Saratella here, RIC in a place to be, kind of like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft since 2000. It's what we do, baby. Check us out over on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bible. What a day, what a day, what a weekend. Oh, baby. You want to catch up with all of our good draft coverage and analysis and scouting reports and rankings and lists. And, hey, everybody's a winner today. Everybody rolled out of bed feeling real good about themselves. But, uh, you know, I've got quite a few teams or fan bases that maybe shouldn't be so prideful. And joyful this morning, this afternoon, I should say. It's all coming back around again and crossing over to do this here is Joe Everett. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe W. Everett. Hopefully we have him here because we're trying a new configuration. Joe, are you with us? Yep, all set, man. Oh, yeah, I love it, baby. A new configuration, no time to test it out and all. It's the little things in life, people, here on this Sunday, the day after the 2018 NFL draft, Joe, and geez, it's like it's never ended. You know, I always tell people, like, oh man, thank God the draft is over. You know, when it when it ends in the seventh round, it's like heck, man. The undrafted free agent frenzy is harder to keep up with than the actual draft, but it's all in good fun. And Joe, we're gonna talk some winners, some losers what to think about next year's draft. People already putting out mock drafts and uh, debating who the top overall pick in next year's draft is going to be. So that'll be some uh, fun conversation. And, of course, we touched base on that last week's show with uh, Spring Ball, talking some Spring Ball and previewing uh, our top big board for next year's draft. But today is about the 2018 recap. I went ahead and gave number grades 1 through 10 to all 32 teams. I'll tell you who my winners and losers are. But first, Joe, when we look back at what some people would say the year the quarterback, uh, what is the biggest takeaway you're going to take away from the 2018 NFL draft, 10, 20, 25 years from now, when we look back at this year's draft, what's going to be the one thing that stands out to you, my man? I think it will be the quarterbacks. How many teams got their future franchise passer and leader of their offense? Uh, Sam Darnold. Not only Darnold, uh, Rosen changing things for the Cardinals. Uh, who knows what's going to happen in Baltimore with Lamar. And sorry, cool, Joe Flacco, but you were definitely a loser for <laughs> this draft. And, uh, I mean, clearly Baker Mayfield with uh, Cleveland. I mean, good luck to them. I mean, we've wasted our opinions after day one on him, but – I really think it is all these new quarterbacks that really, it, yes, the odds and the numbers say only two or three of these guys are going to be successes, but I, I would say this class is good enough to defy the odds and go against the numbers. And I think, I think three or four of these guys might be successful of the five that went in the first round. So uh, I think that's going to be, you know, years removed from this class. That'll be the narrative. And, and that'll be the, the big question is how did Sam Darnold go to number three and how the heck did Rosen fall to 10? I think those are going to be the loudest mm-hmm. questions when we, uh, a couple years removed. 
Joe, is Baker Mayfield the biggest shock and surprise? We did get that report just hours before from Schefter that it would indeed be Baker Mayfield number one overall. I think last year or two years ago, uh, Laramie Tunzel, that was a shocking announcement or a chain of events there. Is Baker Mayfield the biggest surprise to you, or, or was it something else? Uh, no, I still think it's the Denzel Ward. Uh, Baker, that's fine. I mean, if they really vetted it out, they met Baker, they feel better about him than they do about Darnold, good for you. Go go be you. But Denzel Ward, that was just – that was the wrong move. I think it's – to me, it's a tie between Denzel Ward and then uh, – what the heck, Seattle's smoking. I know it's legal out there, but they got the best out in Washington because Rashard Penny, they could have got him in day two. No one's going to take Rashard Penny in day one. So that, to me, uh, it's it's a tie between Denzel Ward and Rashard Penny, and I like Rashard Penny. I, I don't want to sound like the worst player ever, but it's just value where you could get these guys. And, yeah, the Denzel Ward thing to me is just – that's batshit crazy. I'm sorry, Cleveland fans, but he's another nothing wrong with the player. It's just where you're going to get him, what you're spending, and why you passed on Bradley Chubb, Quentin. I mean, even just draft Roquan Smith, even though you've got linebackers, you'd have a new leader of that defense to where Denzel Ward, I, I don't know. I think uh, the funniest thing we did after day one, Justin said, they're going to bring Mayfield and Denzel Ward into the building, and the rest of the team's going to wonder who these midgets are. Uh, I think uh, that Denzel Ward pick may come back to haunt Cleveland. Yeah, I think it might come back to haunt John Dorsey specifically because, let's be honest, uh, they turn over uh, GMs and coaches there in Cleveland like the seasons. So uh, I think Dorsey, unfortunately, may have uh, written himself a future pink slip by bypassing on Bradley Chubb because, you know, this is a guy that – has potential to be a double-digit sack master, a a guy that uh, can be a dominant blue-chip franchise type of player. And I think, you know, that's going to be the thing is, to me, I have Chubb rated as a higher prospect than both Ward and and, uh, Baker Mayfield. So not only did they pass on Bradley Chubb once, they had the audacity to to pass on Bradley Chubb twice. And I think that's going to be very costly in the long run, so much so that the alarm bells are ringing here in the background, NFL Dress Bible radio show here. We're on the road. We're all over the place worldwide. We appreciate you tuning in along the week and throughout the weekend, recapping it, breaking it all down with, down with Justin Gamble and John Murphy, who's uh, scheduled to join, join us here a little bit later on in the show. And, um, you know, we, we have a lot to get into, Joe. I guess, you know, everybody loves, to uh, talk about the winners, let's flip it and reverse it. I want to know who you thought did poorly and and who had failing grades or teams that, you know, had you scratching your head. We'll start off there with uh, teams that you just did not like their drafts too much. Well, I'll pick up where I left off. The Seahawks, uh, they're not the worst draft, but they're in the running. Uh, if I had a letter grade, I'd give them a D plus. I don't like the fits. Uh, Rasheem Green, in my opinion, is the best player they took. But I'll give them credit. They didn't have a lot of assets coming into this draft. So they really had to, you know, maybe reach for some players that they otherwise thought might not have been there. Uh, Will Disley, that's just a blocking end. Uh, Maybe he'll put a few catches out there. And, yes, Shaquem Griffin, it's a feel-good story. But uh, 
that's a special teamer. He's going to be a backup linebacker just outside of the top 100. Um, the, the, the punter they took, I, I'm fine with that. Uh, maybe Jamarco Jones turns out, but uh, I think this whole class, I don't know. I don't know if it, unless Green turns into an impact pass rusher and Penny's their, their uh, you know, franchise back, but I really don't see that happening. And then uh, I'll pick up where I left off on the first round show. At Oakland Raiders. I think they're going to be surprised with Colt Miller. Yes, he he fits like a zone blocking scheme that Tom Cable used to coach at Seattle. But we're going to Gruden, uh, Tampa. You remember when he left Tampa, they were running twelve, thirteen, twenty-two, twenty-three personnel, fullbacks, multiple tight ends. His system was power high, much more akin to like what Harbaugh ran at San Francisco or what Baltimore's wanting to do. I just think Colt Miller might be a bust. B.J. Hall was a flat-out reach. Uh, I, I like the player, but with a guy like character concerns like that, there's no reason to take him in the second round. Uh, Brandon Parker, I think, was also a little high, but I like the pick. I'm not faulting them for that. He could he could pan out to be a starter for them, but Arden Key, he might quit football like he left the team at LSU. Nick Nelson from Wisconsin's hurt. Mo Hurst has a failed medical. Uh, Azeem Victor from Washington has red flags. I this whole draft, I mean, they basically drafted with no concern, no logic, no reasoning. I think this is a horrible draft, and uh, uh, like I said in the last show, I think they're on their way to picking in the top five in 2019. I just don't understand where the, wow. what the Raiders were thinking. I think this is one of the worst drafts uh, in quite a while. Wow. Oh, boy. Joe Everett laying it down, tunnel like it is here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. Not in love with the Raiders draft, and uh, I guess that could be a reason why Gruden laid off the entire scouting department, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They, you know, With his role and his hiring, I guess he has dictatorship over the scouting department. So John Gruden cleaning out house this morning, turning over the scouting staff. I guess he did not value their input very much. And, you know, listen, I'll tell you what about the Raiders draft is I'm taking a look at it here. I know the guys you mentioned all come with question marks, Joe, but I think, you know, these are, these are rolls of the dice that could pay off. And and Gruden has a long-term vision. He doesn't expect, I don't think he expects to compete for the Super Bowl right away. In fact, I think it's going to take culture shock in a year or two uh, of transition. I don't know if he can take them immediately, but he did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in just one season However, that was quite some time ago. However, when you mention these guys, uh, not afraid to take small school guys and P.J. Hall and, and Brandon Parker in rounds two and three, I think, you know, the one thing I got to say about it is, hey, Arden Key in the third round, Nick Nelson, you know, in the fourth round, Maurice Hurst in the fifth round could possibly from day one, and then Azeem Victor, again, you know, sixth round, if one or two of these guys pans out, they could be starting. And I think if you get two starters on day day three or day two, you know, the middle to late rounds of the draft, I think you're doing a good thing. Now, Colton Miller, I agree, was a reach. P.J. Hall, man, yeah, there's some red flags there. There's some character issues. But I can see how <laughs> it's easy to fall in love with the film there. So, you know, I'm not going to murder them for this. I think I think time will will ultimately tell. And, I think, you know, Nick Nelson's a guy you redshirt. Mo Hurst, I mean, there's nothing but upside to me in the fifth round. Arden Key, you know, ultimate risk-reward, but 
third round pick. So uh, definitely some 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 arguments can be made for just about every selection, no doubt about it. Uh, but you know we will see how that shakes out in Oakland. Uh, a lot of a lot of football fans I speak to are curious to tune into Oakland this year to see how they do under new coach John Gruden. Now, you know, Seattle, they vote, they, you know, since Schneider and, and Carroll have been there, they have uh, habitually gone against the grain. So no surprise there. I agree. You know, Penny, could you have had him later? Uh, Vegas was pretty high on him. So maybe there was something to it, but definitely some comparable backs for sure. Uh, he does bring some special teams ability there. DeMarco Jones in the fifth round, I think, is a guy that has starter potential. So that was some value for them. And Alex McGow, you know, that's a guy from FIU, a four-year starter. We probably didn't talk about him leading up to the draft. I think he's one of the better uh, developmental quarterbacks who could serve as a valuable backup. And, uh, you know, overall, I gave Seattle a six on a one to ten Uh Oakland was a seven, so, you know, maybe a little bit higher than what Joe thinks, but, you know, hearing him talk through the Seattle picks, you know, I probably might drop that grade a little bit. Um, And, you know, Oakland is just so many question marks. It's hard, but, you know, that's what the draft is about. I I like the conviction. I like not not being afraid afraid, uh, to go with your gut when it comes to evaluation. We'll see how that pans out, but we're breaking it all down here. Uh, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella. We await John Murphy coming up at 3 p.m. I'll be on CBS Sports Radio with the uh, Jody Mack show talking more drafts. Uh, for me, giving out the grades, you know, the, the guys I had on the bottom of the totem pole, Joe, I will tell you, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, uh, the New York Jets to me had the second worst draft. Uh, Sam Darnold, I know you love him. I, I don't know. I don't see it. Passing on Josh Rosen is a huge mistake, and to me, that's going to cost them dearly. Uh, Nathan Shepard, 25-year-old, you know, collegiate journeyman, still, you know, a little rough around the edges at age 25. I, I get it. I understand it. Just don't love it. Um, Trey Herndon, No. The tight end Herndon I have here. Chris Herndon. Uh, Chris Herndon. I actually like that pick. I think that was a good pick. Mm -hmm. But, again, you know, he's like two months away from even seeing the field. Parry Nickerson, we all love him. I think that's great upside there. But, again, knee knee concerns. And then, you know, the the UConn defensive tackle, Fado Kasi, uh, definitely some athleticism and and explosiveness, you know, some stuff to work with there. And Trenton Cannon, who I saw at the NFLPA, has, uh, you know, zero skill set as a runner in terms of vision and patience. Uh, I, you know, from my understanding, he will be a strictly return man. Uh, so, yeah, I gave the Jets a four. And the only team I gave a worst grade to, and it's funny to think, you know, a lot of people think the Jets came away with their franchise signal caller. I don't see it that way. And, you know, call me crazy. That's the beauty of the draft. You know, Joe loves Donald. I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, Detroit, I don't know. Frank Ragnow in the first round, uh, concussions, the amount that he's had, that just scares me. Playing center, uh, the, the guy's a concussion away to invest a first round pick on him when guys like I think James Daniels went, I think, in round two or three. 
Carry uh, on Johnson, I think will actually be a very good player for them, but the value, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I would have waited maybe and, and gotten a player in the middle, you know, middle to late rounds, but I think it's a good, I think it's a good play. I think carry on Johnson could be a very good back there. So I actually do like that pick Tracy Walker, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, I believe safety, a little bit too high for my liking, a top 100 there. Uh, Deshaun Hand, okay, not bad in round four. And then uh, Tyrell Crosby, actually, with their fifth round pick, was their best selection. But when I look at it in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you know, the the running back situation will probably be a timeshare. And your first five picks, you know, you got one, maybe one starter in Frank Ragnow. And he's got concussion history. So uh, that's just how I see the Detroit Lions. Otherwise, I think you got uh, a bunch of backups you drafted, which is fine. You know, you created depth, but you're not, you know, you're not really a perennial playoff, uh, serious contending type of team like that. So for me, I, I don't know. I want more bang for my buck, I guess. I'm looking for more impact uh, in Detroit. So that I gave them a 3.5. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on them. But, hey, that's just the way I see it. Any thoughts there, Joe? I agree with the Detroit. It's just there's not a lot of impact there. Maybe Ragnow develops into a starter. It's just tough to players right now. And you mentioned the concussion history. Uh, uh, that's that's a worry. If Tracy Walker develops into a starter, is up to debate. Uh, if Crosby could play. I, mean, I think Nick Bowden probably going to end up playing some good snaps for him. So that I like that pick. But, yeah, I'm not a fan of Detroit. And then the Jets – uh, you know, leave Darnold out of it. Trading those second-round picks hurt, and and the end result is showing right now. Uh, you know, they're losing next year's second too, but uh, giving away two seconds for a three-spot move uh, really hurt their overall class. And I think that's that's why it's not the uh, that's why he scored them so low. And I don't blame you at all because that sure they got their guy quote unquote but uh their best pick of this whole group might be Perry Nickerson as far as value I think they overspent on Herndon and Nate Shepard I'm I'm a pretty big supporter of his but I I agree with you this this what 25 26 when he gets into the league is uh, a big knock so yeah this class as a whole is not great and I think the reason why is that the the Colts really uh they got the back end of that deal and 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 a couple years removed from it, that might end up being why the Colts will have great depth because, I mean, three second-rounders just throwing your way for a three-spot move. That uh, I think that's one of the best trades that's been made outside of Green Bay, moving down four spots and getting their first-rounder from the Saints. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the Jets, um, they, they're happy with Darnold, but outside of that, the class as a whole is just kind of weak. Yeah, points well taken. And, uh, you know, this, this will determine – how much longer McCagman, Bowles, and company stay employed for the New York football Jets. And uh, a lot of people in Jersey are going to be upset with me this uh, Sunday after the draft, but that's just the way I see it. And uh, it all depends on Sam Darnold and what he does. You mentioned the Colts Joe over there in your backyard. Uh, curious to know what your thoughts are. Quentin Nelson, a lot of people thought is the safest play. Kind of know what you're getting. We've heard that with guards going that high in previous uh, decades, but uh, Quentin Nelson seems to be the real deal. This Darius Leonard now uh, from South Carolina State was a fast riser leading up to the draft during the process. Him and uh, Kamoko Ture, along with Tyquan Lewis, all second-round picks here, providing depth up front. 
uh, on the defensive front. And then Braden Smith, I mean, there, there goes some additional protection now for Andrew Locke. Uh, you know, new GM Chris Ballard going all in on Andrew Locke and saying, you know, trading him is not going to happen on my watch. So I think they did the right thing in adding some additional protection there in the early rounds. And then this uh, Naheem Hines, I mean, as you know, I'm a big fan. I think he's a uh, excellent uh, change of pace back that could mix and match, I guess, with Marlon Mack will be the one-two punch there, I assume. Uh, but then, you know, their late-round picks are where I really love it, and I know you like it probably even more than me, Joe. Doris Fountain at five, Deion Kane at six. We actually had Kane ahead of Fountain. Not sure why Deion Kane fell, but that's tremendous value there in the fifth and sixth rounds. I mean, these are uh, really some excellent playmaking uh, wideouts to add T.Y. Hilton there for Andrew Luck. No, I, I agree. Their day three I thought was better than their day two. Even though they had nice assets in day two, I'm just – I think Leonard was a reach, good player, but it's just a, yet another situation to where we couldn't have trained down a little bit and get this guy later. And Braden Smith, I think the same thing. It's uh, He's more top 50, top 60, not 37th overall. And Kamoko Trey, hey, uh, we're playing craps, rolling the dice, hoping something pans out there. I, I think it could be, but with this new scheme, I think he does fit a little bit better in an even front, and so does Taekwon Lewis. Those two players, uh, if one of them pans out, it's it, that's that's looked at as a success, but they too. But I think, yeah, outside of that top 100, they really started getting some nice players and adding what they need, which is speed on offense right now. Outside of T.Y. Hilton, I don't, I don't see anybody that can run. Yes, Marlon Mack's fast, but that wide receiver core needed a shot in the arm, and that's exactly what they did. I, I think Deion Kane, it's character concerns people worried about his uh, investment in football is he all in I, that otherwise you look at the play I mean I thought his 2016 season was some of his best football and uh, we'll we'll see but yeah Fountain they got value there I think that uh, that's about where Fountain was gonna go and I expect him maybe get drafted a little bit higher than that so that, that that'll turn out to be a player for him um, but overall I just I think the worst part of this is they really needed a tackle. Someone could play right, maybe even left, and they just took a couple of guards that are great players, but I'm not convinced, like, maybe we should have uh, (laughs) made a move or just dropped down and got McGlinchey. I don't know, because I think we need a right tackle. And right now, it's either Denzel Good, maybe Joe Hager, Muhort kicks out the right tackle, but... That's the weak spot of the Colts line, and everybody knows it. So I think that's a bit of a problem. I do like adding Leonard with that speed. The Colts haven't had middle linebacker speed since Gary Brackett left, and even his speed was debatable. So adding Leonard there, uh, hopefully that pans out. But I think, yeah, day two, a lot of reaches there. I love Quentin Nelson. And then day three, I think they really threw some nice darts there. Uh, either Kane or Fountain pans out. They're going to be real happy with that. Yeah, you know, talking, uh, listening to Joe talk, sounds like maybe Eric Flowers could wind up wearing a, uh, a coach uniform yeah, yeah. next season. <laughs> you know, there there goes your right tackle right there. So, uh, but yeah, no, I gave the Colts a six point five overall, uh, which is you know pretty, pretty uh, just above the middle of the pack, I guess, compared to everybody else. Uh, Joe, one team that I did like 
I hope you did too. Uh, you know, starting the new tribe, uh, I gave Denver Broncos 8.5. You know, John Elway, his uh, recent draft being called into question in terms of his evaluation and uh, draft shrewdness. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I take a look at Chubb being one of the biggest steals of the draft and then turn around and get a uh, Cortland Sutton, a guy that will have every opportunity to make a huge impact there. They've already said Royce uh, Freeman uh, from Oregon, the running back will, you know, immediately compete for a starting running back job. And then uh, the Boston college corner, Yadam, I mean, he, he kind of helps offset the loss of Akib Talib there. Josie Jewell, the uh, linebacker from Iowa, I know you're not a huge fan, but a guy I, get, I think, again, could at least compete for a starting job or be a rotational guy. And then Deshaun Hamilton, maybe a little bit high for my taking, but, again, he'll, he'll get an opportunity to compete in the slot. And then, you know, our guy, you know, nine-finger Troy Fumagalia in the fifth round I thought was excellent value. And, you know, I know they, they drafted Royce Freeman, but I had a chance to watch this David Williams out of Arkansas at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl possibly the best put together back there. I mean, this guy can run, he can block, he can catch very well put together. Six foot two twenty five. would not surprise me if he actually winded up to be uh, the feature back there in Denver. So overall I gave the Denver Broncos an 8.5. Am I drinking too much of the Kool-Aid there, Joe? No, I, that's one of my top drafts and sure I'm biased. I love my Broncos and getting Chubb to fall to you at number five is almost an instant B plus, no matter what the rest of your class is. But I thought Cortland Sutton, where they got him, that's value. Like people talking about him going in the first is just crazy talk to me, but in the second, that's right where you want to get him. I think uh, he profiles similarly to uh, Demarius. And if you want to get rid of one of those wide receivers, now we potentially have the help. Uh, that it'll take. Royce Freeman, I, I like him. Um, I think, though, what stands out of this whole class is character, high character. Like, Yadam's a good kid. Jewel's a good kid. Deshaun Hamilton is a great kid. I mean, that story of him taking care of his brother, uh, that, that just, I mean, if that doesn't get you a little worked up, you know, you better go to the doctor and get checked out. And Fumagalli, another high-character kid. So I, I think we really improved the locker room outside of getting good football players. I think we got some good football people. And, yeah, Fumagalli, I think he'll make an impact. Josie Jewell, yes, the foot speed's a question mark, but he makes up for it with that diagnosis. I mean, he really is a step ahead mentally. So I think that's where whatever four, six, four, seven, eight, I don't care what he runs, he sinks fast. So uh, I really like this whole group. And, yeah, I gave him an A. I think it's a good haul. Hopefully, uh, Keyshawn Berea, maybe he cuts it in special teams. But, yeah, I think uh, Hamilton and Sutton will make an instant impact just because of the the, the type of players they are. And, yeah, I really uh, – oh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But someone may be purchasing – a Bradley Chubb jersey. I'm not telling tales out of school either. <laughs> well, you know, I see four future starters in this year's draft class for the Denver Broncos. And uh, you're buying the Chubb jersey, Joe. I'm buying the Nine Finger Fumagalli Tribe t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, going on Chelsea at the NFLDraftBible.com. Keep a lookout for that. Uh, who else do you have uh, in the winner column, Joe? Let's take them one at a time and, and uh, give me a chance to react to who you like? 
Well, I, I'm going back to the Packers. I, I think just instantly getting that future first, I don't care if it's in the 20s. I don't care if the Saints win the Super Bowl and it's the 32nd pick. You de- you never turn that down. So, uh, first off, they win there, and then they're two cornerbacks. I thought they were going to take Josh Jackson in the first round. They get him at 45 overall. Fits the scheme. I think Jerry Alexander, with his uh, stripping, batting passes, passes defense, he's, uh, he's an animal. Uh, Oren Burks, he tested well, but also that competition level in the SEC, uh, that'll really the only pick I don't like is Jamon Moore, just because I think they kind of already have a couple players just like that that can't run. Uh, but Washington State's uh, Cole Madison, I think, will play guard for them well. And I thought J.K. Scott was the best punter in this draft. Sure, Dixon might be higher rated by some other player, but look at the results. Whenever he got the chance to punt and how many he dropped inside the five on that coffin corner, he'll make an immediate impact for the Packers. I don't think there's a doubt about that. And uh, I think I, what I think is – the steal of the draft, uh, Equinemius St. Brown in the six. I think the kid's a stud. I think he fills an immediate need, and he can run. I mean, look at the test results. And anyone that questions his love for football, that's all well and good, but you got to look at the family. He's surrounded by nothing but success stories. You're going to tell me he's going to end up being the ugly duckling at Thanksgiving dinner? I, I, I seriously doubt that. He is going to succeed just because of the rest of his brothers doing so well. The pressure's on, and I think he responds, man. Why he fell to the six is probably my biggest head scratcher. 207th overall. Packers get a steal there. Aaron Rodgers is going to see him and say, come on over here. Uh, we got a little something called the back shoulder. I, I, I nail with Jordy Nelson every time out of the gate. I think he's going to fit right in there like a glove. I think the Packers, I give them an A-plus, uh, not only just for the trade, but the needs they filled. They needed corner bad. They needed some wide receiver help. Uh, J.K. Scott, this is Man, that's a good class, I think, for Green Bay. And Gutekunst, with his first draft, may have hit one out of the park. Agree. And, you know, just for the record here, I've got teams. I've, I gave out five grades from a 1 to 10. I, I got five teams that had scored an 8 or above, and the Packers are one of them with a score of 8 on my scale. Uh, agree with you, Joe. You know, they turned some weaknesses and converted them into strengths with their additional draft equity and the, and the trades. And, you know, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, uh, the South Florida product, you know, he was out at the NFL PA Collegian Bowl, another one of these guys under the radar. Yeah, and, you know, again, we had Equinemus uh, St. Brown rated higher than Valdez-Scantling. So, you know, this is what the Packers needed, a boost to that wide receiver corps, and they did it in the fifth and sixth rounds. And even this James Looney, I mean, he was a little bit of a workout warrior. Had a great pro day there for Cal. I think he's a, a rotational player at the very least, uh, helping, you know, lay down some uh, base formation there for the Packers. So, uh, Denver, Green Bay, two of our bigger winners on the day or the weekend, I shall say. Uh, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella here as we wait for John Murphy. Hopefully Justin Gamble too. And shout out to Chris Janafelt who was crushing it with the FCS uh, players on the Twitterverse over at, at NFL Draft Bible. Of course, NFLDraftBible.com has all of our uh, reactions and analysis and all that good stuff over there. And uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in, not just through the weekend, but through the season. And we'll be back with a uh, new podcast next week. 
turning the page, talking 2019. But right now we're breaking down winners and losers. We uh, started off with the losers and some yellow jacket, green paper, money-taking winners. And I'm curious to see, you know, maybe we'll have to go back and take a look at how some of these Vegas odds uh, panned out on next week's show and see how Vegas made out with their uh, selections. But uh, who else do you have in the winner column, Joe? Listen, man, I like it, but I like the Cowboys. I, I thought the value they got throughout the draft. I'm a supporter of Leighton Vander Esch, so maybe that's what colors my impression. But where they got Connor Williams, I think, is exactly what you need to spend. And especially since he's not going to play tackle for them, they're going to line him up at guard. Uh, it's a local boy. It makes a lot of sense. Um, with Gallup at 81, I don't think that's too rich, but I think the best part is he fits the team. Gallup has mastered that over-the-shoulder catch. He's got that deceptive speed. Uh, that that fit in right nice with that play-action passing game they got. And then I think they got better and better. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong, if he didn't have such an injury-riddled uh, last year in 2017, I mean, just look at what he did in 2016. He would have been a top 100 pick if he just stopped there and dropped the mic. I almost think uh, from what I've been told, he played through a high ankle sprain early in the year and just – uh, toughed it out, just kind of gutted it out. So I, I think they got a, a sneaky deal there. Uh, I like Mike White a lot. Uh, but, you know, we've had quarterback arguments. I'm I'm a White supporter. I like the program and the guy who recruited him, Jeff Brom. The the Cowboys may have, they have I think two really solid backups because they still got Cooper Rush on the roster, who was uh, kind of the ugly duckling from last year. So really. I look at that Cowboys quarterback room. I think they, they've done a good job uh, of just getting good guys there. Um, Dalton Schultz, more of a blocking end. Uh, I played stiff in the receiving game, but they basically took a blocking tight end there. So say what you want, but their they're last two picks, I'm just smiling ear to ear. Uh, Cedric Wilson, I think that's going to be a real good receiver. He's got those NFL bloodlines, uh, quality individual, and then – they just go ahead and roll the dice with Bo Scarborough at the end of the draft. I think uh, that's right where Bo went. There's a lot of medical red flags with Scarborough, and maybe he's similar to, like the Patriots said about Michelle, well, if we've got an awesome back for three years, that's all we're really needing. And if he's just backing up Ezekiel Elliott, maybe he turns into a touchdown vulture at some point, but that's just a good back to have in your stable. Uh, you know, in, in case of emergency break glass, we're going to unleash Big Bo on them. That's that's not a bad backup plan. So I think this whole group, I, I think there's value that they were able to get, and there's definitely some players that are going to fill key roles. I really think Vander Esch, alongside Sean Lee, and learning from a pro like that is a great situation, and just adding Connor Williams to a good line, this this whole Cowboys draft, uh, I think they did very well for themselves here. And yeah, I, I give them an A. Well, great minds think alike. And I have Dallas at a 7.5, which means they had the sixth best overall draft on my board. And I agree. I think Vander Esch will thrive there. Connor Williams, like you mentioned, instead of being taken in the first round where he might get tried out at left tackle, now he probably gets to kick inside. Not so much pressure. He's going to be uh, not as much expectation playing in that starting unit. And Gallup, I mean, he has the upside there. 
to make an immediate impact, he'll have every opportunity to do so. And yeah, I agree. My uh, the, the quarterback uh, Mike White. We've seen, you know, now with the Eagles, a backup quarterback, teams are starting to understand the importance of it. And uh, who else did they have there? I wanted to – oh, Scarborough. I mean – Scarborough. Perfect. I mean, perfect. Fit. I know I mean, you love that. Guy, <laughs> I mean, this guy has nothing but injury concerns. So what's better than to have him play back up to the guy who's probably going to lead the league in carries? Hey, if Scarborough never plays, then it's a beautiful thing. If Ezekiel goes down or gets suspended, then I mean, you got a guy who could come in and <laughs> arguably be, you know, lead the lead the NFL in, in rushing any week that he does start. So I, I think this is a tremendous value. Uh, I like just about every one of their picks, and I'm on board uh, with the Dallas Cowboys for having an excellent weekend here in the 2018 NFL Draft. Any other winners you want to discuss, Joe? Uh, yeah, the last two teams that got an A from me, uh, and, and we touched on it, Arizona Cardinals got my number two quarterback, my number three wide receiver, one of my favorite offensive linemen in Mason Cole because of his versatility, and then they top it off with Chase Edmonds. Just those four, I think, would make it a great class, but I also like Corey Cunningham late and Christian Campbell, but man, I think Mason Cole could play any position on the line, um, just Short and sweet. I think they got some quality individuals here too. Christian Kirk, local boy. I think he's from Scottsdale. Uh, that just makes too much sense. So their draft, I think, uh, it just a lot of logic there. And then I gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers an A minus. Uh, they drafted, I think, two premium players in Vita Bay and Ronald Jones. And boy, I, Ronald Jones wasn't hurt. He'd have gone a lot higher. I think the Texas Tesla turns into a star in Tampa Bay. So uh, and then their two corners, the, both those guys, uh, Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart. I think they battled to start. Uh, Alex Capo will fit in somewhere along that line, and then Whitehead, maybe in the future he tandems with uh, Justin Evans, who they like a lot there. Um, I just think you know that's value all the way. I liked what I saw Justin Watson out of Penn and Mobile, and then they buy a lottery ticket at the very end with Jack Cicci. Uh, is another guy. If Cicci was healthy, we'd be talking early day three, a potential day two pick. I really think Cicci just um, another guy like Jewel. He's just got a computer processor up there that's so fast it doesn't matter what he runs. He understands the play. He knows uh, where it's going and the defense he comes from and who he's been taught by. Jim Leonard, uh, if Jim Leonard ain't a head coach in the near future, I'd be shocked. A lot of his kids are doing well in the league, and, man, he's just uh, he's an ascending Italian evaluator as well as a teacher. So you're taking a Wisconsin prospect. You know you're getting someone that's a disciplined, heady, savvy football player. So, yeah, 202 with CG, uh that's another one that just made me smile. But this whole group uh, that Tampa Bay took, I think easily right at the top, there's four guys that are going to play some valuable minutes right off the bat for him. And uh, credit to Tampa Bay. You know, I've uh, criticized that GM they've got there quite a bit, just saying, oh, yeah, he got lucky with Jameis. But I think they're really putting together a defense now. That uh, front four we talked about on the previous show, there's some teeth now with JPP, Vinny Curry, and then adding Vita Veda to Gerald McCoy. It's, they have had no pass rush. Now they definitely uh, have addressed that. And I love teams that just say, hey, where are we weak? What do we got to fix? And they went out and tried to fix it. So uh, good on you, Bucks. 
Yeah, you know, I'm looking now. That was the one team I, I, I woke up this morning and tried to do my grades. That's the one team I did skip by accident here. But, yeah, Ronald Jones, MJ Stewart, uh, Carlton Davis, Alex Kappa, Jordan Whitehead, Justin Watson, Jack Chichi. I mean, these are, yeah, these are some impact players. They might also be at the top there for me. Uh, you mentioned Arizona. That is, you know, for me, just based solely and, and you know, I've tried not to be a, de- a dead horse on the show because, I, I, you know, you all know my love for Josh Rosen. I do think he's the best player in this year's draft. So when you get the best player in this, in this year's draft at number 10, I mean, that alone – I think uh, earns you an A, and that's why they're the only team I gave a nine to overall. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Christian Kirk, uh, Chase Edmonds, to me, I think he's going to be um, just an awesome, versatile back, slot receiver, whatever you want to do. Danny Woodhead there. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think this Arizona team can kind of reload pretty quick and, uh, you know, turn it around here relatively soon. So I love the Arizona Cardinals. They get my top grade. Um, and then, you know, two other teams I'll, I'll break down here. Uh, I gave the Giants an 8.5. And I, didn't, I wasn't on board with the Saquon Barkley pick. I, I, I wouldn't have done it probably me personally. Uh, but, you know, you can justify it. You know, and there's exceptions to the rule. I don't draft running backs in the first round, never, ever, ever, never. You know, you want to say there's a rare exception to the rule. Well, Barkley fits that rare exception. And then, you know, you come back around, Will Hernandez will probably be the best offensive line lineman they have this year. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of transitioning to the 34 defense, all of a sudden, you add a guy like that opposite of uh, Vernon Olivier, Olivia Vernon, people with two first names, you got to be careful of those suspects. <laughs> but, hey, I mean, you got these two guys now on the outside, and then you took R.J. McIntosh with your last pick to kind of help anchor that 34 base up front. Uh, I thought one of the best 34 ends in this year's draft, just the dominant player at times there for Miami. And then, you know, you beef up. That front, you know, those Mog Hollies that David Gettleman wants, B.J. Hill from North Carolina State, I mean, you throw him into the rotation. And, of course, uh, again, you know my affinity for Kyle Lawletta. Had a chance to exchange some some texts with him and and, uh, welcome him to New Jersey. So we're excited about that. And I think now, you know, uh, Joe, everybody was talking about the Giants need to draft their quarterback of the future with that number two overall selection. I don't know. I'm looking around in that quarterback room with David Webb and Kyle Lawletta. If Eli Manning does indeed have two more years, why can't one of these guys emerge as the next starting quarterback of the Big Blue? No, I, I agree. I like Lawletta a lot, and, and that's the guy I would uh, kind of side with over Davis Webb. Maybe a couple years removed, we're talking about what a great value they got at 108 uh, in Lalletta, I, I think just more of a game manager and another guy just really understands play flow. He sees the field, and you give him a chance, he's going to pick you apart. And really, this is now looking like a tremendous supporting cast. I mean, Barkley, I, 
I like the pick. I like the kid, but I agree with you. The two hog mollies he took in Hernandez and Hill, that's really going to change some things. And I think bringing in a kid like Carter is exactly what you want to do with this new scheme. No one knows what this is going to look like. I mean, I don't remember the Giants going in an odd front since back in the, what, the Parcells and Belichick days? I mean, they've been an even front for a long time now. So this is mm-hmm. this is quite the transition here, uh, I think. Um, we'll see what goes on. But uh, I think Carter, if they really want to go that direction, that's that's exactly the type of player they needed. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with their draft. I mean, they're, they're right in that B-plus range. It's just uh, – not a lot of picks there, and that's the funniest part of this whole draft. Uh, B.J. Hill goes P.J. Hall. I would have never thought that would happen. But, right. uh, yeah, I think in getting yeah. Hill at 69, that's that's a nice little uh, coup there for the Giants. Yeah, you know, and I think, they, you know, just when it comes to ident- identifying need and matching it up with best available player on their board, I, it looks like that's what they did. And uh, it's going to be a, a pretty good transition uh, with some of these young players here. And, you know, suddenly you take a look around and uh, Sterling Shepard in the slot, uh, Evan Ingram there at tight end, o- OBJ on the outside. Uh, you add Saquon Barkley now. <laughs> There's some explosive playmakers there on this team. And, uh, you know, suddenly – Giants might lead the league with plays over 40 yards. I don't know. I'm just saying, uh, I like what they did. I gave them an 8.5. And uh, the other team that scored an 8 for me, I guess, which would be an equivalent of like a B-plus, would be the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, didn't love the selection of Billy Price in round one. It's probably where I would have taken him if he were healthy, but he's not. Uh, torn pectoral, I'm, I'm sure he's going to miss quite a bit of time. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you take a look at the Cincinnati roster, it's really more of a matter of uh, making the pieces fit and, and work here because they have great depth in terms of starters. And I think, you know, when you when you have that, maybe you can allow the luxury of letting a Billy Price red shirt and working his way back where, you know, he he, he can be one of the top starting centers or guards in the league in two, three years from now. And then uh, Jesse Bates at number two, I, I thought was a uh, another good complimentary pick for, for what they needed there on defense. And then Sam Hubbard on round three. I mean, I had a first-round grade on Hubbard. I don't think, you know, there's a huge, huge upside. He may have uh, plateaued a little bit there at Ohio State, but you know what you're getting. You're getting a pretty darn good football player and a, a guy that's going to have an immediate impact. He doesn't need to develop or wait around for, for him to hit his potential. He's there. Uh, he's a man. He's ready to play. Just uh, uh, go ask the uh, Mike Gundy. Uh, <laughs> he ain't 40, but he's a man. Uh, Malik Jefferson, I think, is another guy who, yeah, could, could you know, bye-bye, uh, Vontaze Burfitt. Let's throw Malik Jefferson in the mix and then, Mark Walton, I know teams were down on his 40 time in Indianapolis, but in the fourth round, uh, along with Gio Bernard, uh, I mean, I think this is going to be a good backfield tandem. Uh, Devontae Harris, I know you're a fan, Joe. Illinois State in the fifth round, tremendous value. Andrew Brown, the Virginia defensive tackle in the fifth round, tremendous value. Auden Tate in the seventh round, uh, tremendous value. 
for an organization that does not value scouts and really, you know, relies on their positional coaches quite a bit to get involved in the process uh, starting in January, maybe not a year-round full department. I, I gave the Bengals an eight. I thought they did pretty darn good for themselves here, Joe. No, I, I think the, the theme you got is value across the board. I, I'm, I'm day two, especially in day three, and really the, the pick I don't like the most is their top one. I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. It's just hard to draft injured offensive linemen because uh, this could be just like Ragnar. Maybe he takes the redshirt season and you don't even get any year one impact from your first-round player. I know his agent put it out that this torn pack supposed to be healed by training camp, supposed to be woulda, shoulda, coulda. I made a made a different picture. I thought they was going to pick James Daniels because they definitely need interior help. But, yeah, the rest of their draft, I'm a huge fan of. I, uh, Jesse Bates, Fort Wayne, Indiana, I thought he could have been a surprise first. I thought Sam Hubbard should have been a first-rounder. And maybe you're right that he's sort of plateaued at this point, but – if the Bengals could tap into that, this is a guy that still, I don't believe, has played a lot of football with that lacrosse background and what Urban Meyer found him at some dodgeball tournament. But whatever, I think that's a good player they got. Malik Jefferson, a highly touted prep prospect. That they, I don't know what they're doing at linebacker, though, Cincinnati. They just keep adding linebackers. I thought Nick Vigil played real well for him last year. They bring in Preston Brown in the offseason. It's like, yeah, we just keep throwing linebackers up against the wall to see what sticks. So that be that as made, Devontae Harris, 151 overall, is excellent. And then another corner with kick return ability and Darius Phillips at 170 is a steal because uh, he immediately helps you with special teams and maybe he fills in and dime and quarter packages to the obvious passing downs. But, um, yeah, Alden Tate, I I still think something's going to happen there. I don't care what he ran at the 40. Just just roll that 2016-2017 tape. Like, he can make those 50-50 balls happen, those jump ball situations. I think the Bengals need another wide receiver that's a big physical type player. So I, th- I think Tate could actually factor in for him at some point this uh, first year, even though, yes, he's raw. Maybe he's not in the playbook. Uh, you know, Maybe he's a little slow, but – you just don't grow them like that uh, everywhere. So, yeah, 253rd overall, they got a nice player there. But, yeah, with guys like Phillips, Devontae Harris, Sam Hubbard, Jesse Bates, I really think they address some of the, the needs on their defense. And looking at their defensive end rotation, Dunlap, Michael Johnson, Jordan Willis, K-State from last year, Sam Hubbard, that is a nice uh, a rotation to keep bodies fresh and, and just go against offensive linemen saying, you know, we're four deep and you're going to have to deal with it. So that's now a strength, I think, of the Bengals roster. They they bone up on that secondary. We'll see what happens at linebacker for them. Maybe something comes to fruition. But that Bengals defense is going to be tough, and I think all they did in this draft is make it tougher and nastier. You know, if you take a look at that roster, one to fifteen, I mean – all the pieces are there. Like I said, it's just a matter of, you know, putting the pieces in the right place. And, you know, maybe Andy Dalton is what's holding them back and, and maybe they need to upgrade the quarterback at some point in time if they want to get over the hump and take it to the next level. But, yeah, I mean, Auden Tate, dare I say, the next Anquan Bolden, I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> you're listening I love it. to, yeah, NFL Draft Bible Radio here. I love this show. Joe, Everett, breaking it down for the people we're hoping – to have uh, John Murphy here in just a little bit, Joe. I know you got a boogie in just a few as well. 
Uh, again, NFLDraftBible.com has been on fire. We appreciate all the people that we reached between uh, social media, the websites, the podcast. It's been incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, so we we do appreciate it. While you're at it, wherever you're listening, you know, like it, subscribe it, share it, spread the word. We do appreciate it. Uh, before I let you go, Joe, I mean, I'm, you know, we talked about the Giants and, and how they did very well. Dallas did very well. Uh, you know, Philly obviously limited there with, with their selections, but, you know, adding a guy like Dallas Goder in the second round, uh, I think, helps them there. And then, you know, the Washington uh, Redskins adding Deron Payne, Darius Geis obviously slipping, who now can be uh, the, the cowbell there, along with Christian Thompson. Uh, Jerron Christian, offensive guard from Louisville, adds some beef. Uh, Troy Apke from Penn State. You know, Settle, the defensive tackle, along with Payne. Uh, Deion Sean Hamilton from Alabama, and another injury guy, but day three uh, could develop into a player there. Is the NFC East now, once again, the strongest division in football, do you think? Man, it's the most competitive division. I'll say that. Uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are no joke. The Giants, they, they added all that skill position power. They're going to be able to put some points, and that defense ain't far off. I mean, uh, this is yeah, – it's, it's just tough to win that division every year, but now so – I think more so. Uh, I like what the Redskins did. I mean, adding Drum Payne to Jonathan Allen, they already know each other extremely well, most likely going to be fast friends. And then they add Sean Dion Hamilton at 197. I know he's injury-prone, but those Alabama – coaches praise his on-the-field leadership and just lining the defense up. I think that's a, a guy that just once – I know it's a broken record that I'm – adding quality people to the locker room, is it, 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 it's so underrated. I mean, and I think that's what they do with uh, Deion Hamilton. I think Payne's going to fit right in, and so is Tim Settle. That was just a great 163 overall. That's uh, about – and I also like their Mr. Irrelevant, Trey Quinn. Uh, you know, the transfer from LSU yeah. and did well. He actually mm-hmm. led the team at SMU in reception. So uh, that's just a solid player they're getting. But, yeah, the top four uh, picks that they had, they just improved themselves a lot. And say what you want about Darius Guys. I mean, maybe he did fabricate this whole story of uh, the NFL investigations or the questioning about his, you know, orientation or his mother or whatever. But, uh uh, just rewind it to 2016 and, and put all Fournette's carries and then put all Geis' carries next to him. Tell me who the better back is because it's Geis. Hey. Uh, that, that guy's a player, man. There's no doubt about it. So I think they really improved their running back situation. They improved their defensive front seven, which was already playing really well. So, yeah, Washington got better. And, and Philly really, uh, you're right, they didn't have a lot of picks, but – what they got and where they got it, uh, they they definitely added and, and addressed. I think Goddard is is a stud, and he he fits right in there. What what they're going to miss with Trey Burton, I think Goddard could bring. And then that's another roll of the dice on Josh Sweat. Uh, what was he a five star, very highly touted. If if he didn't have that knee injury, a senior in high school, we could be talking about a whole different player. So uh, with what the Eagles had, I think they made the best of it. But, yeah, they're already, uh, you know, they didn't win the Super Bowl by accident. Uh, Redskins are good. Jay Gruden and, 
yeah, I think the Giants are, are going to get back in it. So, yeah, this NFC East, I'm, I'm glad I'm a Broncos fan and the rest of my division's soft, unlike the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like they just take turns every year. Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, I think even the Redskins won in one year every year. A different team seems to emerge. And just, you know, real quick with the Eagles, Avanti Maddox in the fourth round out of Pittsburgh, the slot corner there. Matt Pryor, a big-bodied offensive lineman. Uh, from TCU that can add some some depth there and then hey Joe when you win the Super Bowl you you could uh, have a little bit of fun they traded up with uh, New England I believe it was to to jump up and grab that uh, rugby player Uh, I I forget his name offhand but just watching the highlights is hilarious because I guess apparently the rugby league he played in was uh, 20 and under league so I mean this guy is like six Uh foot eight 320 just <laughs> you yeah. know, having having these guys like bounce off them like ping pong balls. Uh, I guess he's an offensive line prospect candidate, but it'll be fun at the very least to see him in Eagles camp. I like that too. At 233rd overall, just take a chance on what could be a rare physical specimen. We six foot eight, almost 350 bills. Uh, you know, they've got a heck of an offensive line coach. Let's let's see how good of a coach uh, you are because at this point, I mean, Stoutland, he's got his work cut out for him. But at that point in the draft, you, you could get uh, very lucky on what could I – mean, these, these rugby players not have not had a good success rate, but who's to say they couldn't be the first with this guy? Hey, you never know. Uh, so it's time to put a bow – from Joe on the 2018 NFL draft before we do welcome in John Murphy and Joe it's been a pleasure uh working our way through this tedious draft process I mean uh, 365 days a year we wrap it all up with the 2018 NFL draft recap uh, final thoughts before we turn the page and look ahead to the 2019 draft next week Oh, it's been a good draft season. Uh, I mean, really got a lot of boots on the ground. I mean, we do the all-star circuit, the pro days. But I think evaluation, just being right on some of these guys, saying, no, Vander Esch, he's he's a first-rounder. No, Mike Hughes, like, we are watching a first-round talent. And uh, not saying we got them all right, but it's uh, very relieving when – Guys like Perry Nickerson do get drafted. Out the, the Tulane kids we were right on. So, uh, it, overall, really good uh, draft season, I think. Uh, just seeing a lot of these things come to fruition. Um, like Isaiah Wynn, you know, at the Senior Bowl, I'm saying, I think I'm watching a first-round pick. And, yep, the New England Patriots verified that. I don't care if he plays tackle or guard for them or whatever, but it's nice to know that your eyes are not deceiving you along this whole draft process. The, just the all-star trail, the combine, everything, the pro day circuit, it's uh, it, it's kind of not only nice to be uh, at the end of things, but I think we got quite a few right, which is very relieving. In front of the, in front of the game, for sure, and, and uh, you make some great points. I mean, Kyle Lalletta, I, I think you were on him like two years ago. Chase Edmonds was the guy that we were profiling on the website about three years ago. Uh, you go take a look at when we published that DJ Moore scouting report was like three years ago, uh, potential first-round yeah. grade. You know, I mean, yeah, the list goes on and on, and especially with the small school ranks and, and the, some of these under-the-radar the diamonds. I mean, we were digging in the crates from the get-go, and, yeah, it's, it's great – 
like you said, to confirm what our eyes are telling us. And, you know, I know we had the conversation with Darius Leonard. I mean, he needs to be in our top 100 for certain. He goes, uh, like, top 50 almost. Uh, 36 so, yeah, overall. I mean, 36 <laughs> overall. I mean, incredible. Just incredible. Un- unbelievable. Um, but what a what a fun process. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Franklin Myers, I mean, we did a write-up on him in, in the NFLPA game. I mean, fourth-round grade. Joe had all the nuggets from the senior bowl. Of course, Shanna Felt was at the Shrine game. Justin has been with us here each and every week. We had Steve Fairchild with his QB exam and grading all the top quarterbacks along the way. And, you know, I can promise you this, 17 years in the making, the NFL Draft Bible will be back bigger, better, and stronger for the 2019 draft run. Joe, always a pleasure. We will huddle up and uh, get the – 2019 draft podcast series going i'm sure of it so uh till the next time and we'll uh we'll chat next week i suppose that's right yeah expect some 2019 rankings posted on the site uh very soon i'll say that much and yeah i look forward to talking next week brother boom there you have it that's joe everett at joe w everett the director of college football scouting here at the nfl draft bible and uh we're gonna unleash the 2019 rankings fast and furious and uh, here's a little secret, if you didn't know. Uh, we've got about 100 scouting reports up for next year's draft season already. Uh, you know, we, we haven't promoted the link and put it out there in the forefront, but it's up there. You know, there's too many people biting our style, and, you know, we just told you we, we like to stay out in front of it. So, uh, you know, let the draft mix out there and the other websites catch up. We are one of the originators. We are the NFLDraftBible.com. It's a can't-stop, won't-stop situation. Rick Saratella here, founder of the NFL Draft Bible, established in 2002, bringing you the names you need to know first. That was Joe Everett, our director of college football scouting. And, uh, oh, looks like Chris Shanafelt is texting me now, and we might have him. That's a pleasant surprise. Didn't know we would. And, uh We'll try to get him punched in, dialed into the show, and get some uh, FCS small school chatter from our guy, Chris Janafelt, and uh, make sure that he has the call-in number here so we're going to uh, navigate on the fly. Uh, anybody that wants to call in has a question, 347-945-6275. It's 347-945-6275, and... I say that so I can remember as I text Christian the call-in number. But, hey, if you want to call in, get on the show, ask a draft question, react to something that we have to say, uh, we'll play around for a few more minutes here on the NFL Draft Bible podcast. And uh, hard to believe that this year's draft cycle is over. Some other teams here, you know, on top of my grading board, the Redskins we spoke, I gave them a 7.5. Tennessee, I gave a 7. Uh, again, not a whole lot of picks to play with, but I think what they did, adding Rashawn Evans, who I thought was the best linebacker in this year's draft, adding a Howard Landry in round two, a guy that can uh, make a difference on the edge as a pass rusher. And then even in the fifth round, tremendous value for Dane Krukshank, the Arizona corner, I think is a guy that can also uh, be an uh, impact player there and contribute. And then Luke Falk in the sixth round, 
you know, a backup, you know, better than Matt Castle is going to be needed there for Marcus Mariota, who seems to get hurt quite often. So Tennessee also receiving a grade of seven, along with the Jaguars, uh, Jacksonville, who, you know, added Tavon Bryant, DJ Chark, Ronnie Harrison, who we all thought was a first-round grade going in the third, and then Will Richardson in the fourth. I thought they just added some impact players, so the Jaguars uh, will continue to get stronger, in my opinion. And uh, we do have the man of the hour, the FCS spotlight focus is on Chris Shanafelt, our small school insider here at the NFL Draft Bible. If if Chris interviews you, then you know you're legit. Uh, Shanafelt, welcome to the show. You are out in front on a lot of these players here from the FCS level. Let's start off with P.J. Hall. We all love the talent. We knew there were some red flags. Were you surprised he went that high? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, P.J. Hall himself. Rick, first of all, how's it going, man? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a be- beautiful, beautiful day wrapping up the 2018 NFL draft. Now we're flushing out the uh, undrafted free agent, the priority free agent signing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast, but uh, I got to say it's great to be back on with you. And, uh, hey, congrats, my man, uh, another year in the books. But, uh, yeah, P.J. Hall uh, going in the second round to the Oakland Raiders. Um, you know, he, he went before a, a, a very a highly touted defensive tackle and Maurice Hurst, who many would say is the best defensive tackle in this draft. Uh, of course, the Raiders went on to snag him as well, I believe, in the fourth round. Um, but, man, I mean, uh, I, I mean, P.J. Hall himself was surprised that he went uh, in the second round. He, he probably thought, uh, you know, he, he would go day three. But uh, he, he even said himself that uh, – you know, he, he certainly did not see this coming second round. It, maybe it was a little bit of a reach, but uh, the Oakland Raiders uh, certainly love what they've seen over the last four years. I mean, right away as a freshman there at Sam Houston State, he was, uh, you know, getting to the quarterback, into the running back behind the line of scrimmage, did it all four years, and then, of course, had uh, one of the better pro days um, that we've seen uh, this draft season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely surprised. And, um, you know, this really does seem like an Al Davis type of draft pick, you know, a freak athlete. Um, but uh, he's an Oakland Raider, man. It's going to be interesting to see how that all works out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Raiders, they're going against the grain in a lot of people's opinions with their selections. We've got Chris Shanafel here, the uh, small school insider, breaking it down. Nobody delivers the FCS prospects like Chris Anafelt. Uh, he's got interview after interview, and I'm sure he'll be out in front again for the 2019 draft cycle. But, Chris, it's all about 2018. We mentioned P.J. Hall going very, very high. Uh, what were some of the other surprises from the draft weekend, in your opinion, from the FCS prospects? The Oakland Raiders, uh, you know, they got another good one, an- another offensive lineman, another offensive tackle in the third round, Brandon Parker, a guy that both you and I were able to speak with a couple times throughout the draft season. And, uh, you know, I thought Parker would be a day three prospect, maybe uh, round five or six. Instead, he goes round three to the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, a lot of uh, Raiders fans, you know, they're, they're a little confused. You know, they go with Colton Miller uh, in round one out of UCLA. And then they go with the two small school prospects day two with P.J. Hall and uh, Brandon Parker. He's going to be more of a project. And, uh, you know, I've seen, it, I've seen it on my timeline all, all day long throughout the, the second day of the NFL draft, Rick. You know, why put so much trust in Tom Cable 
And uh, that I do not have a question uh, or an answer for, but uh, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, these offensive linemen that the Raiders take and uh, Colton Miller and then another small school guy and Brandon Parker developed there in Oakland. Um, Let's see. I, I thought uh, I thought very late in the draft, uh, late late uh, sixth round, Trenton uh, Cannon, the running back from Virginia, uh, Virginia State, first ever Virginia State prospect to be drafted. Uh, he goes to the New York Jets. You know, um, I, I like to compare him to a, and I'll be the first to say I'm not the greatest guy at comparing prospects, but uh, I could see I could see Trenton uh, Cannon sticking there. In New York, I mean, I, I like uh, I like him to be a, a poor man's Le'Veon Bell. I mean, kind of a guy that uh, could do it all and uh, is uh, a nice pass catcher out of the backfield as well. Um, burning speed as well, really nice athlete. So that that was one that uh, really stuck out to me uh, with the uh, New York Jets in the sixth round. Um, and then uh, you know I'll, I'll go with a priority free agent uh, for you, uh, Rick, and that's uh, Jalen Acklin out of Western Illinois. Um, really, really big senior season, um, 84 receptions, over 1,300 yards, and uh, 10 touchdowns. Um, and then he, he went on to have a, a really, really uh, breakout pro day, 39-inch um, vertical, 4440, um, and, and that really put him on the, uh, on the radar for a lot of teams. And uh, he, he went on to sign with the Baltimore Ravens, who are uh, really just doing an overhaul to their wide receiver room, uh, adding a lot in free agency uh, and, and the draft, whether it's uh, in, in free agency, I mean, uh, veterans as well as now rookies. <clears throat> so uh, that, that's a priority free agent I, I really like as well. Jalen Acklin out of Western Illinois landing with Baltimore. He's got you covered, drafted, undrafted. It don't matter. Chris Shanafelt's going to break it down, tell you like it is. Who's going to make rosters? That's what it all comes down to. Is he a make-it kid? Is he a 53-man roster individual? And uh, a lot of these undrafted free agents, in fact, 30 to 40% of each NFL team consists of undrafted free agents, and that's why it's very important to keep tabs on that. Now, uh, you mentioned Oakland, Chris, with the, uh, you know, Reggie McKenzie there. The, you know, and I know um, they're everywhere I go. The Raiders do a great job of scouting everywhere. If there's a pro day, they're there. Uh, They will have at least one representative. They showed their confidence in some of the small school prospects that you mentioned there with Parker and and P.J. Hall. And then how about new GM Chris Ballard over here uh, in Indianapolis, 36th overall, I believe. We were just talking about him. Darius Leonard from South Carolina State, who I had a chance to speak with at the National Football Foundation. A uh, very nice young man, an even better player. Or or does it go the other way around? They're both compliments. But then coming back around again in the fifth with Doris Fountain, our guy, everybody high on the oh, uh, wide receiver. Your thoughts? Uh, you know what, I, I think, uh, first of all, you know, as expected, you know, usually second-round picks, are, they're kind of expected to turn into a, a starter, if not immediately, then one day. I think Darius Leonard could help out that linebacking core uh, immediately. I, I think he'll be a day-one starter. Um, and then, yeah, Doris Fountain, man, I mean, uh, you know, a, a really nice career at UNI. And then, uh, you know, he, he's one of these guys that had an off-season unlike any other. I mean, uh, this is a former track athlete, and uh, he showed that at his pro day. I think he had a 43-inch vertical. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was able to see him live in person at the East-West Shrine game where he was hands down the best wide receiver 
there in St. Petersburg. I, I thought, and, and, you know, two other guys that got drafted, uh, Justin Watson and uh, a fellow small school uh, FCS guy, and then uh, Deshaun Hamilton from Penn State. I mean, those two guys got the call up to the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, I, I, it, that left me scratching my head. I don't see how Doris Fountain uh, didn't get an invite over those two guys. Maybe scouts seen enough out of uh, Fountain there at uh, the East-West Shrine game, and they wanted to get more out of uh, Watson and Hamilton. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Doris Fountain landing with the Indianapolis Colts, man, I, I could see him having an impact early as well. Uh, maybe uh, lining up opposite side of uh, T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, you talk about making an impact. Uh, one guy you and I have both been touting for a few years, it seems like now, is Chase Edmonds from Fordham. Uh, I love the fit there in Arizona. Not a lot of pressure, obviously. I think a, a day three guy, but uh, they take Christian Kirk there in the second round. Along with Larry Fitzgerald, I, I see Edmonds being a change of pace for David Johnson, lining up in the slot, playing a uh, Danny Woodhead kind of role, dare I say, there in Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could go Danny Woodhead. You could go um, uh, his name, uh, Dion Lewis. I, I like that comparison quite a bit as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Arizona, man, I, I'm really liking what they've done. Uh, they grabbed my number one quarterback, 10th overall, and Josh Rosen. And then, uh, like you, you said, they, they, they helped. They helped get him some uh, weapons and Christian uh, Kirk from uh, Texas A&M. And uh, uh, as you said, here in the fourth round, Chase Edmonds, the running back out of Fordham, who, Rick, he's been on our radar since his freshman year, man. And a lot of people are going to kind of, uh, you know, that, that might open a lot of people's eyes. You know, they, they may not be able to believe that. But, uh, you know, a prospect from Fordham being on somebody's radar since, uh, you know, his first year. But, uh, I mean, really, mm-hmm. uh, since his first year at Fordham, man, I, I believe he won the Jerry Rice Award, the, the given to the best freshman in the country, and uh, he has not been a disappointment since. Had an off uh, senior season due to an ankle injury, but, uh, you know, he got an opportunity at, the again, the East-West Shrine game, and uh, unfortunately wasn't able to finish the week due to injury, but uh, his first couple days there really opened up a lot of eyes against some uh, legit talent um, from all around the country. And, uh, yeah, I like this landing spot as well. Obviously, David Johnson will be the, the main guy there, but uh, being a change of pace back uh, for Arizona, that, that will be uh, – uh, Chase Edmonds, kind of like you said, uh, may, maybe a, a Danny Woodhead or Deion Lewis type of running back there for uh, Arizona. And don't forget, uh, Arizona also still has that T.J. Logan, their fifth-round pick from last year out of uh, North Carolina, coming off of an injury. And uh, I could see him uh, being an interesting guy in uh, the Arizona Cardinals offense as well. So it's kind of like they have this three-headed monster in the backfield there in Arizona now. All right, Chris Shanafelt breaking it down, FCS here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio Podcast. And I gave out the call-in number, 347-945-6275. If you have a question, you want to get in on the horn. Uh, we do have a caller on the line, Chris, so it's either going to be John Murphy or it's going to be a caller with a question. We'll, uh, we'll take him on. It looks like it's a Skype caller. Welcome to the show, my man. You're on the air with Chris and Rick. What's on your mind? Hello? one one one. Yes, hello, sir. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Oh, man, I just want to touch on something. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, man, his career's ruined because the Browns drafted him. And it's just <laughs> sad to see all that talent go down the toilet once again, man. <laughs> well, like, you know, some of the bitches took a good quarterback. They should have taken, like, some fluke player like Sam Darnold or something. What kind of name even is that, Sam Darnold? What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love the passion, my man. And 
You know, this is a PG-rated show, so even the RIC has to keep it clean here, but we do appreciate the call. And, yeah, you know what? I think Baker Mayfield is doomed. You're right about that. And I think the Cleveland Browns organization is doomed based on what they did in this year's draft. And even if they did go Sam Darnold, I would believe that they're doomed. And I'm with Chris Shanafelt. I'm a Josh Rosen guy. And uh, so, yeah, we like to have a little bit of fun here on the Draft Bible Radio. Hey, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, uh, 2 p.m. here on the East <laughs> Coast and uh, Chris, you know, uh, Joe was on. We were talking about the Giants and everybody uh, making a big, big, uh, you know, priority for them to find their quarterback of the future or their heir apparent to Eli Manning. Now, uh, they didn't do it with the number two overall selection, but they came back with Kyle Lawletta from Richmond in the fourth round. And uh, Joe believes, you know, between him and Davis Webb, he might actually beat out Davis Webb, but is their franchise quarterback of the future now on the roster? I, I think there's a really good chance. I mean, uh, especially, uh, you know, Pat Shermer now being the head coach there uh, in New York. Uh, you know, I, I thought, uh, I thought you know, all signs pointed to Kyle Loletta being the perfect, uh, perfect quarterback for the New England Patriots. But I really like this fit as well. Obviously, there's a lot of talk early on in the draft season that the uh, New York Giants might go quarterback number two overall. And really, the, it wasn't really until you heard Saquon Barkley's name called uh, Thursday night when, when you could really tell yourself, okay, they're not going quarterback in round one. Um, I would love to see a guy like Josh Rosen maybe land there um, in New York, learn under uh, Eli Manning for a couple of years, but instead they go after uh, Saquon Barkley. I have no problem with that. But, yeah, Kyle will let him, man. Um, you know, I mean, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but uh, he makes right, the right decisions. And um, he, he's done that uh, throughout his career at Richmond. And uh, I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, I got to think uh, Davis Webb was not too happy when he seen that because this is legit competition right away for that number two uh, quarterback spot. And uh, like you said, I mean, uh, th- this could be the uh, future starting quarterback for the New York Giants out of Richmond. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing him play here in New Jersey. So uh, we're all on board with the Kyle Lalletta selection. I was uh, driving this morning. I heard some talk show radio hosts, they shall remain unnamed, uh, criticizing <laughs> the selection of Kyle Lalletta. Obviously, they don't know what they're talking about. But we do here at the NFL Draft Bible, just a couple more guys, Chris. Uh, Nathan Shepard, keeping it in New York here from Fort Hayes State. Uh, your thoughts, a little bit of an older prospect, maybe uh, a little bit more of a raw prospect, and usually not the case when you get a guy that's 25 years old. What can you tell us about this young man? Well, I'm really excited that a, a coach like uh, like Todd Bowles can get his hands on a, a guy like Nathan Shepard. I mean, I, I have a really good friend that's a, a Jets fan, um, and he said uh, every year, uh, you know, uh, you, you can always uh, rely on one thing or, or – uh, uh, I forget exactly how, how he put it, but anyways, he said that every year that the Jets are, are taking, uh, you know, two to three defensive linemen in, in the draft. And, uh, you know, that was the case this year. And their first one was Nathan Shepard, uh, uh, 72 overall. And, uh, yeah, Division two guy from uh, Fort Hayes State. Um, and uh, he uh, he was also a standout at the Senior Bowl before he had a hand injury that, that kept him out. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that, again, very raw. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Todd Bowles and the Jets' uh, defensive line coach, uh, you know, how they develop him. But uh, this is the guy that, you know, he, he's 6'4", you know, 300, 300, 
10 pounds, but he can move like a, a linebacker and uh, has lots of speed, lots of strength. And, um, you know, honestly, we talked about P.J. Hall earlier. I, I was pretty surprised that uh, P.J. Hall went before uh, Nathan Shepard. Uh, that, that was one thing I, I did not expect. And, uh, you know, Nathan – I actually thought Nathan Shepard had a good chance of going a little earlier – um, but uh, to, to land with the New York Jets and uh, with that coaching staff, I think they're going to get the most out of him. A really good athlete, and uh, you know I, I expect him to uh, have an impact uh, right away. Yeah, excited to see again what he does here in New Jersey. Uh, just a little bit further down the turnpike, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the selection of Dallas Goddard by the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean. I don't know. thought he was the best tight end in this year's draft class. The uh, ankle injury, I think it was, prevented him from running an actual 40-yard dash prior to the draft. I think hurt him somewhat. But, I mean, how much of an impact is this guy going to have for the uh, defending world champions? Yeah, and, you know, with, uh, you know, they, they, they're losing a, a tight end. And, you know, all the, all the comparisons you hear were uh, either, you know, another Zach Ertz or another Travis Kelsey and uh, honestly, I mean, uh, he, he really does fit that mold. Um, you know, not the greatest blocker, but certainly willing to do it. But a hell of a receiving uh, target for uh, Carson Wentz. North Dakota State going to be throwing the ball to South Dakota State. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, really, uh, uh, I mean, you, you look at his uh, tape and uh, you, you see a, a ton of uh, highlighted catches. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, he, he, I, I thought he was going to go 32 overall to the Eagles. They were able to trade back into the draft, accumulate some more picks, and then draft them, uh, what was it, like 47th or 49th overall um, to, to grab them in the second round. I mean, uh, I, I, and what makes it even better, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, Rick, but they, they traded up one pick before the Dallas Cowboys. This is the same day that the uh, uh, Cowboys announced that uh, Jason Witten won't be returning. He'll be retiring. And uh, they, they go ahead and uh, snag Dallas Goddard, uh, in the second round, a pick before the Cowboys on a day where, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that Dallas Goddard was going to be a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, just a very, very interesting draft weekend, and we're recapping it all here with Chris Shanafelt, Rick Saratella, breaking it down, NFL Draft Bible Edition. And, uh, yeah, it's been way too long since you've been on the show, Chris. This is a lot of fun and a pleasant surprise. Uh, Still waiting for John Murphy. So we got the, uh, the Mariano Rivera coming in relief unexpectedly to to bring home the show, and it's been a uh, fun time discussing FCS. But I want to shift gears just a little bit with uh, you know your neck of the woods. I know you do a lot of things with Garrett Payton on the Chicago Bears pre and post game during the season. Uh, curious to get your thoughts and impressions on their draft class. Uh, looking at Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia, James Daniels the offensive lineman from Iowa, and Anthony Miller, the uh, wide receiver from Memphis. I mean, those three guys right there, I would imagine, uh, could come in and compete immediately for starting jobs. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, being here in Chicago, obviously that's kind of my main focus is what the Bears would do in the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, including myself, really wanted Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame, the offensive guard. Um, he obviously went six overall to the Indianapolis Colts, so that wasn't an option. So number eight comes around, and uh, they select, uh, you know, one of the if, uh, arguably the top defender in the draft. I mean, who saw Denzel Ward going to Cleveland over Bradley Chubb? And now, uh, again, uh, Roquan Smith, number eight overall to the Chicago Bears. 
Um, this is actually the first Butkus Award-winning linebacker that the Bears have ever drafted. I, I didn't know that until uh, they, uh, they they drafted him, but uh, that, that's a little fun fact, uh, seeing how uh, rich tradition the uh, Chicago Bears are at the linebacking position. Brian Erlacher, Lance Briggs, Dick Butkus, you can go on and on about the names. Uh, Mike Singletary, and, and now hopefully Roquan Smith can throw his name in the shuffle um, I really like this pick. There's an obvious need at linebacker. Um, he'll, he'll be playing alongside Danny Trevathan. There's no more Jarrell Freeman on the Bears anymore. He, uh, he's dealing with some concussion issues, and it almost seems like his career could come to an end. Um, so uh, he's going to be a day-one impact player. And honestly, this, this, this is probably the most ready uh, player that, the, that Ryan Pace has drafted during his time as a general manager in round one. He kind of goes after a lot of – uh, projects, you know, Kevin White, his first draft, Leonard Floyd, his second draft, last year, Mitchell Trubisky, Roquan Smith is going to be a day one starter, which uh, those guys uh, in, uh, that, that I mentioned have not been, whether that's due to injury or, or them just not being ready uh, day one. So uh, I really like the Roquan Smith uh, selection. And then, uh, as you mentioned, um, in round two, uh, I mean, uh, First, I'm going to start off with Anthony Miller. They, they actually trade back into the second round uh, to get Anthony Miller, the wide receiver, out of uh, Memphis. And uh, I, I really like this pick. I mean, a lot of people kind of uh, – they, they were a little negative about it because uh, they had to trade next year's second round pick along with the fourth this year. I'm perfectly fine with that. I, I mean, if you look at it, if you think about it, you're, you're essentially just trading a fourth round pick and getting next year's second this year instead. Um, and I think this is great value for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, they uh, they, they let uh, Cameron Meredith walk, and uh, he signed with the uh, New Orleans Saints coming off that ACL injury. The Bears did not feel comfortable uh, handing him a, a contract two years, $11 million, uh, with the uh, coming off the ACL injury. They weren't feeling comfortable about that knee. So instead, they addressed the position uh, in the draft, taking Anthony Miller, who uh, – you know, some have compared to uh, maybe a, a Steve Smith type of receiver and throwing him in an, uh, a Matt Nagy offense alongside uh, free agent acquisitions, uh, Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel. Um, yeah, he'll certainly see his fair share of uh, balls thrown to him uh, year one early on. <clears throat> and then uh, back to uh, the offensive lineman, uh, James Daniels out of Iowa, uh, selected number 39 overall. A lot of people uh, thought that there was a possibility that he could go uh, round one, instead he falls round two to the Bears, um, played center at Iowa, and uh, Ryan Pace has already announced that he's going to be playing guard uh, year one. He'll be, uh, of course, uh, competing with uh, Jordan Morgan, last year's fifth-round pick, Division two guy out of Cutstown. And, uh, again, I mean, uh, uh, another guy, I mean, those three guys, as you mentioned, Rick, could uh, come in day one and uh, be day one starters for the Bears. So uh, a lot of great value uh, on both days one and two of the NFL draft that, uh, you know, a lot of people are really uh, giving the Bears a lot of credit for, and, and uh, I, I tend to agree. I mean, uh, I really feel happy or feel good about uh, the, the draft picks that Ryan Pace made, and um, now, it's start to, now it's time to start, uh, you know, uh, seeing these guys develop and uh, put in the work on the field. Now, now we got to see some wins develop uh, or else, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough offseason next year uh, for Ryan Pace. Yeah, I gave them a solid six, and uh, for those of you who have been listening along the duration of this show, that's a pretty strong grade here on a one to ten. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about Roquan playing next to Leonard Floyd, adding some weaponry for uh, Trubisky and, and Miller, and 
adding some protection with Daniels. So I think they did a job well done there, GM Ryan Pace. Uh, Chris, I know you got to go soon. One or two more here. When you look back, I asked Joe the same question 10, 20, 25 years from now on the class of 2018. Uh, how will you remember this year's draft class, do you think? You know, I think I'm going to remember it by uh, probably – I mean, I, I did not buy the Baker Mayfield going number one overall uh, talk, uh, you know, e- even the morning of the NFL draft. It came out, I believe, uh, Wednesday, obviously carried on to Thursday, and he, he did ultimately become the number one overall pick to Cleveland. Um, that's probably going to be how I remember it, uh, Rick. I mean, uh, obviously there's a lot of talk for months now that he would be a number one or, or a first-round pick. Um, if you remember live at the Combine uh, just a couple months back, I, I was on record saying, you know what, I, I don't even know if I see a first-round pick uh, in Baker Mayfield, let alone the number one overall pick. So that's going to be the main focus there. And then uh, obviously uh, coming back and getting a, a really good cornerback, my number one rated cornerback in Denzel Ward at number four overall. But with that said, um, I, I certainly would have gone Bradley Chubb. He's still there on the board and, and uh, you know, playing him opposite side of Miles Garrett. Um, so those are going to be probably the two, probably the Cleveland Browns overall, especially day one, is what I'm going to be remembering or focusing on most over the next handful of years, seeing how this day one of the NFL draft pans out for them. Our sentiments exactly at the top of the show, and there must be some kind of special prescription that John Dorsey is wearing in those glasses of his that enables him to see things that, you know, we just don't. Uh, so, yes, it'll be fun to see how that pans out. And it seems like quarterbacks are always the obsession of not only NFL teams, but the NFL fan base. Next year, Chris, at the FCS level, again, a North Dakota State quarterback, Easton Sticks, getting some love. Uh, and then also, you know, our good friend Zenny Abraham putting uh, the Bowie State quarterback. I don't know if you had a chance to check him out at all. Yeah. Near yes. Hall. Incredible, incredible production. I'm. Uh, Excited to another, go uh, the film on him. And another HBCU quarterback in Lamar Renard uh, from yes. North Carolina A&T, who Brandon Parker uh, spent the last few years uh, blocking for. So uh, there, there's a lot of uh, really good uh, really good quarterbacks in the FCS to look out for next year. I'll throw out another one. Western Illinois quarterback Sean McGuire as well. Rick, we could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one last one for you. I mean, uh, and I got a chance to watch uh, Lenard. Uh, during the FCS playoff run, Hall, um, I, I got to circle back to, uh, is it a quarterback who's, if we fast forward uh, 364 days from now, Chris, uh, who, in your opinion, will be the top FCS player selected in the 2019 NFL draft? Is it going to be one of those quarterbacks, or do you have somebody else pegged in that spot? Uh, it could be one of those quarterbacks. Probably, if I had to go with the quarterback, it'd probably be Easton Stick from North Dakota State. Um, but I, I'll go with uh, Keelan Doss, the uh, wide receiver from UC Davis. There's actually some talk that he could come out this year. He decides he's going to stay for his senior year at UC Davis. A really big, lengthy, speedy receiver uh, that that has. Uh, he was actually, I believe second, maybe even third in the voting for the uh, Walter Payton Award. Yeah, he was third in the voting for Walter Payton Award this year, given to the best player in the FCS. Um, so I, I'll go with Keelan Doss. He, he's probably the favorite to win the Walter Payton Award this coming year. Um, I'll go Keelan Doss, wide receiver UC Davis. He, he could be a guy that we could talk about um, early on in the NFL draft come 2019. 
Okay, very good stuff there from Chris Janifel. And uh, I'll, I'll throw out another name. I don't know if he's a top guy, but this Cameron Lewis from St. Francis over in the NEC. That's another one. Being in the Northeast. Yeah, I mean, this kid's impressive, uh, not only on the field but off the field. And I think he's going to be a difference maker at the next level. But we'll save all our 2019 draft chatter for next week's show. This was a welcome <laughs> bonus. We've got Chris Shanafelt in uh, Chris, long, long time. Let's not ever let this happen again uh, from having you on the show and, and, you know, breaking down the FCS like you do, like you do, and uh, giving us the inside scoop on everything Chicago Bears and uh, another draft cycle down in the books, my man. Hey, that's it, man. Looking forward to 2019. All right. There you have it. Chris Shanafelt, always in the know, especially when it comes to the FCS, another draft down. For the NFL Draft Bible Familia, we had Joe Everett on at the top of the show. Uh, I don't think we're going to get John. You know, I think he's got some Saskatchewan Rough Rider stuff that prevented him from coming on. But uh, we went 90 minutes plus of uh, this NFL Draft recap. I'll post up some more analysis over on the website, NFLDraftBible.com. Of course, we keep banging you and bopping you over the head on the Twitterverse, uh, at NFL Draft Bible, with everything NFL Draft and uh, – you know, Destination Dallas, the first year in my uh, covering the NFL draft uh, as a member of the media, my first time in 17 years not being able to attend the NFL draft due, some, due to some family circumstances. But here at the NFL Draft Bible Familia, that's what we uh, are all about, family first. And, you know, we'll be back, whether it's in Arizona, Atlanta, Canton, wherever it may be, we'll be back bigger, stronger, and better for next year's draft season. Um, That's going to about do it here for our 2018 NFL Draft Recap Show. It's been nothing uh, but pure fun and pleasure getting to uh, deliver the hard-hitting news and analysis each and every week out there to the listeners. You know, if you're tired of that mainstream media coverage, just talking quarterbacks and and first-round pick nonsense all day, every day, like Path to the Draft and every other show out there, then you're going to love our podcast. So, Please do like it, share it, subscribe it, spread the word. Uh, we go all year round. Nobody breaks it down like the NFL Draft Bible, bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. It's what we do, baby. Till the next time, everybody.